0: If I asked you right now to list all of the subscriptions you pay for, would you be able to? I really thought my answer to that question would be a resounding yes, but with the help of Rocket Money, I was able to find some sneaky ones I must have forgotten to cancel before the free trial ran out. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting slash kid subscriptions, though they all seem like really small amounts, when pulled together, that's a pretty big chunk of your spending money out the door. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash cup rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers nearly a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code cupofmurder for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code cupofmurder at newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? What are some things standing in the way of being the best version of you? For a lot of people, life, your past, and sometimes your current situation can cause roadblocks in your life. Mental health is incredibly important, and so many, including myself, can benefit from talking to a professional and working to dismantle those roadblocks. That's why I'm excited to talk to you guys about BetterHelp. BetterHelp knows no two people are the same and will help to assess your personal needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. These incredibly convenient appointments are in a safe and completely private online environment, and you can start chatting with your new therapist in under 24 hours. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling. You can message with your counselor at any time and get a timely response, plus schedule weekly video or phone sessions, which means no driving to an office, no waiting rooms, and no awkward small talk. Just meaningful sessions with experts who specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflict, LGBTQ matters, grief, and so much more. There is truly someone there for everyone. And BetterHelp is committed to finding your perfect match, which means if you and your counselor don't mesh for whatever reason, they make it easy and free to seek someone new if needed. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And with financial aid available and access worldwide, they truly make it easy for anyone to seek the help they need. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash morningcup. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a... Weird homicide a scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird morning cup of murder. One call can change everything. On July 27, 1989, a man was arrested after a simple early morning call for police in Oakland, California, led them on the trail of a serial killer no one knew was active yet. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On an early morning in 1989, some highway patrol officers in Oakland, California, went to check out a crashed car along Interstate 580 and, inside, found the body of the driver still sitting behind the wheel. But what made this crime scene out of the ordinary was the fact that the driver hadn't perished in the crash, but instead seemed to have suffered from some fatal gunshot wounds. Calling in for backup, the two homicide investigators who got the call soon found themselves hot on a serial killer's trail that, up until the chance encounter with the car, they had no clue existed. Soon other victims began to surface, and when all was said and done, this highway shooter would end up taking the lives of four and attempting to take the lives of another six. Over the course of just three months in 1989, 29-year-old Leslie Neuer, 16-year-old Laquan Sloan, 36-year-old Lori Roken, and 28-year-old Raymond August were killed on or along the I-580 highway while Karen Alice Anderson, Janelle Lee, Julia Peters, Paul Fenn, and Upendra Da Silva just narrowly escaped the same fate. While the city was on edge with worry, it was the act of one brave survivor that would put the killer's reign of terror to an end. On July 27, 1989, at around 1.15 a.m., 24-year-old Rodney Stokes was making his commute home from work when a white Mazda pulled up alongside him on the interstate. Both cars slowed, and Rodney, assuming only a person he knew would drive beside him like this and waved his hand to get his attention, rolled down his windows to see who it was. When he locked eyes with the stranger, the man smiled, pulled out a gun, and shot him. Thankfully, the shot missed Rodney, who then laid down on the seat and turned off his headlights so the shooter couldn't see his car anymore, and fought to regain control of his car, which was going about 30 miles an hour at this point. When he finally did, he looked up and saw that the Mazda was now driving in front of him. The shooter then fired twice more, missing again, and pulled off towards the overpass. Flickering his headlights to try and get police attention, Rodney made the brave decision to chase after his attacker, which is what he was doing when the Mazda pulled up alongside the car of Raymond August, got the attention of the young man, and in a brief moment where Rodney lost sight of the car, shot and killed the 28-year-old. The killer then sped off, leaving the freeway and getting onto an on-ramp that entered the freeway going the opposite direction, as Rodney drove towards Raymond's crashed car and, seeing a massive amount of blood, called 911 for help. When speaking to the officers, Rodney not only explained exactly what happened, but mentioned that the Mazda was still parked on the on-ramp looking, quote, at the scene underneath the freeway. Approaching the vehicle, police ordered the shooter to get out of his car. Startled, he began to drive, but, cornered, decided to get out of the car with his hands in the air, at which point he fled on foot towards a retaining wall, but was grabbed by an officer. As they struggled, his loaded 357 Magnum Desert Eagle semi-automatic pistol hit the ground. There was no doubt that this man... 20-year-old Charles Arnett Stevens was the gunman who caused so much devastation in such a short period of time. A search of his home found a box for the weapon, a canvas gun case, gun cleaning equipment, a cartridge and magazine for the gun, trays of bullets, practice targets, and a collection of newspaper articles reporting on his shootings and handwritten references to various penal and vehicle code sections, which included information on murder, assault, vehicle theft, and weapons offenses. When asked what would make a person commit crimes like the highway shooter, Charles, who was still maintaining his innocence, said, only reason would be mental or loneliness. Some lonely motherfucker. When friends and family of Charles Stevens were interviewed and investigators spoke to an old high school girlfriend, they all said that he was a shy, good-looking boy who didn't seem to have many friends, and would run home from school every day like someone was chasing him, saying he had duties to fulfill at home, once telling his girlfriend that, if he hung up on her abruptly, not to get angry with him, that it was because his dad had come home. Raised by a single father, Charles' mother, a violent alcoholic, died in March of 1986, though he still spoke of her as if she was alive and well. The pair broke up like most young couples do, and two years later, he became what authorities were calling an urban hunter and a true psychopathic serial killer. Charles Arnett Stevens was charged for all of the attacks except for that of Leslie Neuer, for which a second man named Richard Clark was tried as a co-defendant in addition to the murder of Lori Rochen. Over the course of just three months in 1989, 29-year-old Leslie Neuer, 16-year-old Laquan Sloan, in addition to the murder of Lori Rochon. Richard, after giving a number of accounts, claimed that he shot Leslie under duress while Charles had a weapon pointed at him, threatening to pull the trigger if he didn't kill Leslie. At trial, he changed his story again to deny even being at the scene. The jury deadlocked on his charges and a mistrial was declared. In May of 1993, he pleaded no contest to voluntary manslaughter, admitted to being present when Charles killed Leslie, and was sentenced to 13 years, which he served and then was released. Charles Stevens wasn't so lucky. He was sentenced to death for his crimes, and in June of 2007, had that sentence upheld by the Supreme Court, despite several appeals, including one that claimed he did not have enough black men and women serving on his jury as well as the special circumstances of his crimes. While still on death row and making his appeals, DNA matched him to the April 1989 stabbing of 26-year-old Brenda Blevins, who was found in North Oakland. She became his fifth victim, and her family joined the ranks of mourners, hoping to see justice for their loved ones. He has yet to be charged for this new connection, and remains on death row awaiting execution.